You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Spoken Edition of Wired. Want to know Julian Assange's endgame? He told you a decade ago. By Andy Greenberg. Amid a seemingly incessant deluge of leaks and hacks, Washington, D.C. staffers have learned to imagine how even the most benign email would look a week later on the homepage of a secret spilling outfit like WikiLeaks or DC Leaks. In many cases, they've stopped emailing altogether, deleted accounts, and reconsidered dumb phones. Julian Assange, or at least a ten years younger and more innocent Assange, would say he's already won. After another week of Clinton-related emails roiling this election, the political world has been left to scrub their inboxes, watch their private correspondences be picked over in public, and psychoanalyze WikiLeaks' inscrutable founder. Once they're done sterilizing their online lives, they might want to turn to an essay Assange wrote ten years ago, laying out the endgame of his leaking strategy long before he became one of the most controversial figures on the Internet. In Conspiracy as Governance, which Assange posted to his blog in December 2006, the leader of then-new WikiLeaks describes what he considered to be the most effective way to attack a conspiracy, including, as he puts it, that particular form of conspiracy known as a political party. Consider what would happen if one of these parties gave up their mobile phones, fax and email correspondence, let alone the computer systems which manage their subscribers, donors, budgets, polling, call centers, and direct mail campaigns. They would immediately fall into an organizational stupor and lose to the other. And how to induce that organizational stupor? Foment the fear that any correspondence could leak at any time. The more secretive or unjust an organization is, Assange wrote, the more leaks induce fear and paranoia in its leadership and planning coterie. This must result in minimization of efficient internal communications mechanisms, an increase in cognitive secrecy tax, and consequent system-wide cognitive decline, resulting in decreased ability to hold on to power as the environment demands adaptation. WikiLeaks would publish its first leak the same month as that blog post, a communication from a Somalian Islamic cleric calling for political assassinations. 
Three years later, it had put out the Pentagon and State Department leaks provided by Chelsea Manning, and six years after that, leaked emails from the Democratic National Committee and Clinton advisor John Podesta would lead to the ousting of DNC Chairman Debbie Wasserman Schultz and shake Hillary Clinton's campaign. The last decade has shown just how prescient Assange was. Take, for example, the Russian hackers who published private files from the World Anti-Doping Agency after Russia's athletes got banned from the Olympics for doping. Now a group like WADA has to take everything they say to every person into account. They have to think this could leak, says Dave Idle, a former NSA staffer and founder of the security firm Immunity, who focuses on cyber war and information warfare. The idea is, if we can prevent them from having secrets, they have to operate very differently. That move comes straight from Assange. It was a crappy, annoying manifesto, Idle says, and it was ahead of its time by many years. A spokesperson for WikiLeaks says Assange's essay was a thought experiment that the organization still believes to be true. Organizations have two choices. One, reduce their levels of abuse or dishonesty, or two, pay a heavy secrecy tax in order to engage in inefficient but secretive processes, the spokesperson writes. As organizations are usually in some form of competitive equilibrium, this means that, in the face of WikiLeaks, organizations that are honest will, on average, grow, while those that are dishonest and unjust will decline. Of course, Assange's claim that a political party leaks in direct proportion to its dishonesty looks almost laughable after the last several months. WikiLeaks has published leaks exclusively damaging to Clinton and the Democratic Party, while publishing nothing from Donald Trump or his campaign. Trump has, of course, faced the leaks of his 1995 tax returns and a damning video where he brags about sexual assault. But mainstream newspapers published both, and neither came from the sort of internal communications Assange wrote about. Trump himself, also famously, doesn't use email, as good a security measure as anyone could hope for. In fact, the Department of Homeland Security and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence have both said that recent WikiLeaks releases originated with Russian state-sponsored hackers seeking to influence U.S. electoral politics. Assange's essay doesn't account for the possibility that a government might exploit or collude with a leak platform like WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks' spokesperson denied that there has been any official claim that any documents published by WikiLeaks have come from a state actor, somehow ignoring last week's DHS and ODNI announcement. The notion in Assange's essay that only corrupt conspiracies keep secrets is one that Clinton herself has argued against, ironically, something we know because she said it in a speech whose partial transcript WikiLeaks leaked last Friday. Speaking to the National Multi-Housing Council in 2013, Clinton cited how President Lincoln secretly promised jobs to lame-duck congressmen of the opposing political party if they agreed to vote for the 13th Amendment, which ended slavery. If everybody's watching all of the backroom discussions and the deals, you know, then people get a little nervous, to say the least, she said. So you need both a public and a private position. But the other point Assange makes, the secrecy tax that organizations pay when they try to avoid leaks, rings true. 
Any organization that has tried to encrypt all its communications, delete them, or throttle, quarant, compartmentalize them in the name of secrecy knows the toll that paranoia takes. Assange wrote, An authoritarian conspiracy that cannot think efficiently cannot act to preserve itself against the opponents it induces. When we look at a conspiracy as an organic whole, we can see a system of interacting organs, a body with arteries and veins whose blood may be thickened and slowed till it falls, unable to sufficiently comprehend and control the forces in its environment. Let that be a warning to the Democratic Party and any other organization with secrets to keep. If the leaks don't kill you, the fear of them just might. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.